Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The Guardian. What do you get when you cross a robot with a tractor? Um, I don't know. A transformer. (laughs) (laughs) My job is often fun, but today it's especially so. There's a reason producer Danielle is telling me jokes about robots. Why did the robot go to the shopping centre? I don't know. Well, you see, it had hardware and it had software. But it needed to get underwear. (laughs) (laughs) You found them funny. Yeah. Would you find it funnier if it was a robot telling you these jokes, though? Is this your way of telling me we're replacing you with a robot? Not just yet. (laughs) I'm still needed. Can robots tell jokes? They can, actually. You guys are looking good out there. Ready for some jokes? Here's the first one. You're listening to a robot comedian, one of the first to hit the circuit. His name is Data, and this clip is from his inaugural performance during a 2010 TED Talk. His human sidekick is the computer scientist Heather Knight. She has devoted most of her career to finding ways to improve human-robot relations through art. Technology has kind of put us in some kinds of messes, and but, I, but maybe it could also help us get out of them in, in terms of our ability to relate to each other and be aware of what's around us. And I th- really think if we understand a little bit more about people, we can design technology that actually meets our needs. From cyborg cabarets to robotic IKEA chairs, this week we're looking at why training robots to perform could help them become more likable and maybe make it easier for humans to welcome them at work, or at home. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and this is Chips with Everything. My name is Heather Knight. I'm a robotics professor at Oregon State University, and I try to take methods from entertainment to make more charismatic technology, usually robots. Heather's career seems pretty enviable and far from your traditional desk job. In 2010, her work even featured in a music video for the song This Too Shall Pass by the American rock band OK Go. The band OK Go makes a lot of really amazing um, music videos, um, basically because they're big nerds. So (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> they're awesome, um, very creative, uh, my kind of people. Um, they had this idea to make this Rube Goldberg machine music video, and so they put out a call, and at the time I was living in Los Angeles, and we I was just part of this group of engineers that liked making art, and we put together a pitch, like about you know, 12, 20 of us, to build them a giant um, two-floor Rube Goldberg machine in a warehouse, and then we did. Can you, in, in case anyone doesn't know what a Rube Goldberg machine is, can you explain what that means? Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, Rube Goldberg machines are really fun because they're so surprising and they're sort of designed to fail. But the one time they do work, and that's why video is so great and why it had to be a viral video than rather than like viral group of people that come visit your house is that most of the time they don't work. <laughs> so when they do, it's just kind of like very delightful. People are making robots for all sorts of purposes. What specifically made you want to make robot, you know, film stars and comedians? So half of my life is actually going the other direction. Rather than putting robots on stage, it's it's actually learning from actors and performers about how to just make the technology in our life um, <laughs> less annoying, <laughs> less frustrating, and kind of more delightful to be around. So mm -hmm. um, I'll, I also borrow a lot from people on stage. Um, so for example, um, a lot of my uh, work has been about expressive motion, how, how a robot that's just moving down a hallway can give convey that it's sort of in a rush or it's trying to be deferential to the surgeons that really don't like the robot to cut them off when they're <laughs> in between surgeries or, you know, or, or like even to establish relationships. This, I, this, if there's a robot that you see every day and it doesn't know who you are, especially if it like, let's say it's handing off a set of boxes to you every single day, then you're going to think it's kind of dumb, right? Like, like it should at some point, it should start recognizing you. And, and so just building in some of these these social templates that are just totally normal for us, but that robots really have no idea about, um, makes us actually trust them more and, um, you know, give them higher ratings. So a doctor says to his patient, I have bad news and worse news. The bad news is that you only have 24 hours to live. That's terrible, said the patient. How can the news possibly be worse? I've been trying to contact you since yesterday. Remember Data, the robot stand-up comedian I told you about at the start of the episode? Well, it got me thinking about one of my favourite television characters. Now, I've been working my way through Star Trek The Next Generation, and Data the android is maybe my favourite character, so I've got to ask, did you name your robot after him? Absolutely, yeah. I Yeah, I grew up on Star Trek The Next Generation, and, and Data is, is so charming um he's like uh you know japan has astro boy and i have data <laughs> <laughs> right but notoriously terrible at human things like humor so is that exactly. what inspired you to try and do better than him <laughs> well I, I don't think better i mean he's actually pretty uh, amazing and compelling but i mean there's like this one scene that i always think of um where he's trying to listen to three different symphonies at once like with his cat and you, you know he's like able to track all of them individually at the same time and and so he's sort of doing a human-like activity but in like a very uniquely robot-like way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's always sort of flabbergasted by like people, like emotions, by the complexity of everything. And, and so I think he's a really great uh, storytelling example of what my field is and why it's hard. So tell me more about what your data does then and, and how it works. Well, um, I have to tell you something. Okay. Even robots can be replaced by robots. <laughs> So Data's actually sitting at my, my parents' house in uh, in Boston right now because I have a new robot. Her name is Ginger. 
Um, <laughs> wow, who rules the world, girls? <laughs> yeah. No, it's actually really funny because we had had a robot film festival in San Francisco the year, like the year that I got Ginger, and Doma had just passed in the Supreme Court. So Doma, or the Defense of Marriage Act, was a U.S. law that allowed states to refuse to recognize same-sex marriages and to keep from same-sex married partners the same benefits granted to different sex marriages. In 2015, the Supreme Court declared that section of the act unconstitutional. This inspired a particular performance at that year's Robot Film Festival. So everyone was celebrating gay marriage, and so we did a performance with both robots at at my Robot Film Festival that was basically about these two robots getting married. So it was robosexual marriage. Um, <laughs> and they exchanged their passwords and <laughs> did lots of romantic robot things. Um, and then she replaced him. <laughs> Sounds like the ideal marriage. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, he's retired, <laughs> sitting on his laurels. <laughs> She's doing all the work. <laughs> when Ginger first hit the comedy circuit, Heather started to rethink how to write these sets. I wrote a a bit about uh, mindfulness. Um, <laughs> I was uh-huh. sort of thinking about that what the purpose of robots could really be in our life because I don't think we just want to be more productive. Mm. I think we want to be more met. And so uh, like the whole bit is about kind of the robot making the whole audience kind of do breathing exercises or move <laughs> around. or and, and I really do believe that technology could have a role in helping us meet our own goals um, in, in a way that might be more effective than it just sort of trying to teach us to be cogs in a machine. I think we can kind of go beyond that and sort of use technology to humanize human society, which is sort of mm. like inverted and backwards, but I think delightful. Um, yeah, I was going to say it's kind of ironic humor, right? Because often the idea about being mindful is turning off all of the technology and just being with yourself. But here you've got this robot on stage. Exactly. <laughs> At the same time, it's so easy for a robot. He's like, <laughs> clear your mind. And it's just like, delete. <laughs> you might think that going to see a robot perform stand-up comedy would get dull fast. But Heather says that human audiences respond well to Ginger and her particular brand of humor. Like it can make jokes that make people laugh that a human could never tell. Like it can joke about its perception system. My perception capabilities are still in development, so I apologize if I am overestimating your name recognition. And sometimes it's a euphemism, um, which can also be hilarious. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's really just about kind of limitations because self-deprecating humor is great. And so one of the critical things, I think, when you put a robot on stage is is that people don't want you to just be pressing a button like it just playing out a video. They want to believe that there's something live in it. Um, and, and so one of the things that we um, are planning some studies around is what actually makes a performance feel live for an audience that's in front of a robot. And so sometimes it's asking the audience questions and integrating, like letting them kind of choose their own adventure. Ah. I think people would like kind of hearing about themselves, like from the robot's perspective. Even if it's totally wrong, I think it would be very funny. Yeah. And it would it would make it feel real. Yeah, absolutely. So those are some of the things we're working on right now. What, what do you think we can learn from a robot that does comedy? You say you've learned a lot from working with these comedic robots. What kind of things can we learn? 
I always thought that the robots should sort of kiss up to the audience, like it, because it's like sort of catering to them, sort of like a service robot. We, we've seen a lot of, we see a lot of that in, the, you know, uh, Rosie the robot, or even some of the Star Wars robots. They're kind of really service robots. They're kind of kissing up to the people. But human audiences really like when the robot kind of like takes the lead and tells them what where they should go. Um, and so, so one of the things that I've learned from stand-up comedians is like is to not um, be afraid to let the robot sort of be its own character um, and. Kind kind of lead people in a different direction because especially if we get into that world of sort of coaching and helping pe- people need their own uh, meet their own needs like whether it's a, a therapist telling you what to do or your parent or like in my case like in academia like your research advisor like it's it's really sometimes nice to have someone that can ground you and and, and not in all tell you what to do in all aspects of your life but can lead you in a particular direction and you can think about it as managing up or something like that so I guess I learned that that robots can have personality um, and that robots can take the lead in in human robot interactions and that that's actually something that's welcome and it's also often entertaining. After the break, we'll look at some of the other unconventional work that Heather does and how being entertained by robots helps us to better understand what we need from our technology. Whether that's mindfulness or or whether that's humor or laughter um, or just remembering someone's name. Um, uh, When you work in the factory all day and you're giving parts, like there's times of the day, like when you're arriving or just before lunch, where extra conversation or jokes or even sharing the sports scores would be much appreciated and would really augment people's experience of that robot. You won't want to miss it. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Hi, this is Jordan Erica Weber, the presenter of The Guardian's digital culture podcast, Chips With Everything. Before we return to this week's episode looking at the wacky world of robot stand-ups, let me take a minute to tell you about Guardian Jobs, which is sponsoring this episode of the podcast. It's always nice to get on with the people you work with. Our guest Heather works closely with some of the most entertaining robots in the world, making her job infinitely more fun. Guardian Jobs can help you find your good company. It promotes a world of work where potential flourishes by connecting people with rewarding careers at like-minded organisations – where values make the difference. Whether you're looking for a new job or you're a recruiter looking for the perfect addition to your team, you can trust Guardian Jobs to help you find your perfect match. So find your good company at gu.com slash good company. Now, let's get back to Robot Comedians. Welcome back to Chips With Everything. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. 
This week, I'm chatting to roboticist Heather Knight. Before the break, she spoke about her robots Data and Ginger, the latter of which is busy trying to break into the mainstream comedy circuit. Are we not fed with the same food, hurt with the same weapons, subject to the same diseases? Okay, maybe not. But if you prick us in our battery pack, do we not bleed our alkaline fluid? But Heather is interested in more than just robot stand-up. Alongside her day-to-day work, she has also built a company that welcomes all sorts of robot entertainers. So Marilyn Monroe Robot is my robot theatre company or robot art company. And so as an academic, I have to write research papers. And in that world, uh, when I do these sort of intersections, ultimately I want them to benefit robots in general. How can I make more charismatic technology? How can I make products that, that people don't hate? Um, <laughs> maybe even <laughs> like. Um, <laughs> but, the, but one of the things I wanted from Marilyn Monroe Robot is to be able to have um, an umbrella for the things that were art first. Um, where I could just actually just create something because it was entertaining or it was, you know, just to meet a larger audience or to provoke a emotion and that I didn't necessarily have to write about. So, so Marilyn Monroebot represents the artier side of Heather's interests. But part of her job as an academic at Oregon State University is to lead a robotics lab called Charisma, which stands for Collaborative Humans and Robots, Interaction, Sociability, Machine Learning and Art. Well, funnily enough, oh, so we, we are doing some of that robot comedy stuff, but our dominant project right now is actually about robot furniture. Okay. Wait, um. wait, furniture for robots or so. furniture that is robotic? No, it's like it's like we, we basically have like turned a bunch of Ikea chairs into robots, <laughs> um, very inexpensive <laughs> robots, and painted them lots of different colors, and now they have names. Like the colors and the names thing was not something I was planning. It just sort of happened over the year and a half that we've been working with them. Um mm-hmm. I had we had our first artist in residence in my lab last summer, um, a theater artist, uh, Jeremy Uran, and he was actually he he choreographed some chair dances that I showcased at my robot film festival. So he kind of named this whole dance. Cherry just wants to dance with somebody, and Cherry is the pink chair. And then we have like this black chair that's named Classic. Now I've seen this dance, and it's one of those see it to believe it kind of things. I'm afraid we can't play it for you here because we're in a tiny studio, but I'll try to describe it. The routine involves four dancers, two human, two wooden chairs on swiveling bases. At first, one man and one chair dance to Aha's Take On Me. The song changes to Material Girl by Madonna as a woman enters. The man and woman dance on the chairs and then around them, the chairs turning and moving across the stage on their own. Towards the end, the humans leave the stage and the chairs are left alone dancing slowly to Prince's smash hit, Kiss. This might sound completely frivolous, but there are practical applications for encouraging furniture to behave in this way. So the, the, the idea is like if you have a, a house that's small, like it would, could be really convenient for different parts of your day for the furniture to rearrange. Um, or if you're running a conference or even having a wedding, um, it would be nice to be able to use the same space for different parts of the events without having to hire like, you know, 20 staff members to move everything around. So what if the, these kind of charming robots could just sort of, you know, say, excuse me, or, you know, like make a, a chair line, like, like crossing guards while the other ones sort of go behind so they can sort of like cordon off the space with themselves while the rest of them go behind them and then they can kind of like trickle out as well. Um, So you could convert something from like the dinner party to the dance floor to like the the ceremony for the wedding 
it's really fun to try to think about how to do that without kicking people out of the space because then you start hitting all of these social things like how does a chair say excuse me without kind of interrupting someone's conversation or offending someone. It's obviously quite funny to attribute names and personalities to pieces of furniture, but Heather believes that humans can't help but anthropomorphize. We have like parts of our brain that are dedicated to processing biological motion so we can know whether something is about to eat us. And once we get beyond that, if someone's worthy of sleeping with, <laughs> and once we get beyond that, if someone could be our friend or is a member of our tribe. Um, and and so, so it's sort of built in um, and it happens below our sort of conscious processing center, uh, center. So that's why people say job interviews are decided in the first 15 seconds. You get this really strong impression of something. And all people do that with robots. And it's been really interesting interesting um, to play with that. If you work with robots every day, you'll probably go the extra mile for them. So we um, actually, we just kicked off a project yesterday and we do it at the start of every year. It's called Resolution Bot. It's basically Resolution Bot goes around to anyone that signed up in our robotics building and just ask them um, how they're feeling that day and if they'd like to do some exercises so people can do jumping jacks, they can take a walk with the robot. <laughs> it just checks in with us like three times a week if we happen to be at our desk and tries to get us to do um, think about health and it gives us a healthy snack and then is on its way. Um, and uh, there was one day last year where I kind of kind of hear it because its motors are kind of loud coming down. It's like, and then I suddenly just hear this crash. Uh, my I have students on the other side, and so they can connect to its like its voice. So they type in H E L P, and I just hear from out in the hallway, help. <laughs> <laughs> And I like walk out of my office and there's a resolution bot. It's this really simple kind of, um, I, I mean, I don't want to call it a trash can robot, but it's the, it's that sort of that kind of cylinder shape. And it's sort of just like fall f- fallen over. And I guess it's like we had put too much like fruit in its basket. And so it went over an awning and it just sort of tripped. And so there's the robot on the floor with fruit everywhere. Just like, like and it, it called for me like a child, right? And so I go and I like, and there's sort of like, um, uh, we have this two level lab. And so I go out on the kind of catwalk and I'm like cut and I like pick up the robot like a toddler and I'm like like guys is resolution bot okay (laughs) and they're like they're like it just fell over but I think we're gonna have to bring it back down to like reset its localization system and I like carry it down the stairs (laughs) and like like, someone's like why don't you take a picture and I'm like I was worried about it (laughs) imagining Heather caring for her resolution bot teaching chairs to dance or getting heckled by Ginger, the robot comedian, is the kind of thing that makes me wonder if, in another universe, I could have lived a life like this. But there's obviously a lot of hard work involved with these projects and goals to work towards. I just think this world where we can have technology that is a little bit more socially aware um, could kind of keep us from walking into fountains, (laughs) looking at our phone, because the, you know, we could almost have a conversation with technology. So technology has kind of put us in some kinds of messes, but but maybe it could also help us get out of them um, in in terms of our ability to relate to each other and be aware of what's around us. Um, and, and, and And I really think if we understand a little bit more about people, we can design technology that actually meets our needs, whether that's mindfulness or, or whether that's humor or laughter um, or rem- just remembering someone's name. Um, uh, when you work in the factory all day and you're giving parts, like there's times of the day, like when you're arriving or just before lunch where can extra conversation or jokes or even sharing the sports scores would be much appreciated and would really augment people's experience of that robot. You know, some people are really interested in trying to make robots look 
more like humans but it seems like you have a different idea for the route that we should go down yeah i guess lately i've been really interested in how we can make robots behave like humans so i'm thinking a lot about how we can actually program behaviors and interactions and sensing but but i but i appearance is definitely a a a interesting other thing um i think it can change your very first impression um but but then how it continues to interact with you is is also so so important a huge thanks to heather knight for chatting to me and keeping me laughing A special shout-out to engineer Eric Glesky, Larry Pribble and Steve Lunderberg for helping us set up this interview. There will be links to everything mentioned today, from the Marilyn Monroe Bot website to footage of Ginger performing one of her routines, on this week's episode description on The Guardian website. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and as always, thanks for listening. Now, I'm off to watch some robot chairs dance to Madonna. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.